I'm here today with Jesse Romero, great guest, great guy, great Catholic. He's going to share today with about something going on in Arizona, the Temple of Satan, the Church of Satan, I don't even know what these people call themselves, are trying to consecrate the state, the municipality to Satan. They're having a Satan con, like a comic con, but for Satan, it's completely crazy. Um, Happy New Year, and we're still in Christmas. Merry Christmas, Jesse. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, Taylor. Thanks for having me on, brother. Yeah, well, let's let's find out what's going on uh, over there in Arizona. But first, let's pray the Our Father. Oremus. Nomini Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniet regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos malo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jesse Romero, what's going on with these Satanists? Yeah, uh, Taylor, we, we got we got kind of like a second generation of Satanists in America. Uh, Satanism started in this country. The flashpoint was 1966. Anton LaVey started the Church of Satan, lowercase c, uh, over in San Francisco, California. They broke off. They started a second church over in, in uh, Hell's Kitchen, New York. But now today we're dealing with a, and and then also another uh, one of the original pioneers of the Church of Satan was uh, Michael Aquino, who was a high-ranking officer in in the army, where he learned a lot of uh, psyops and a lot mm -hmm. of uh, uh, interrogation techniques that he ended up introducing and bringing into the Church of Satan. Hmm. Now we have a second wave of Satanists. They're younger. Pr probably the most uh, famous uh, leader in the church, the temple, of, they call this the temple of Satan now. His so name they're, is not using the, they're not using the word church? No, they use more, they use temple now. This The second wave of, of Satanists. Uh, why, I don't know. But probably the most, the co-founder of the Satanic Temple is a guy named Lucian Greaves. And what they're planning on doing on February 11th, that's Friday, February 12th, Saturday, February 13th of this year, they're planning to have a satanic conference. In fact, they got a website, satancon.com. It's a three-day event, uh, and they plan on hold, holding it in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is in the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona. It's part of the diocese. And, and uh, it's basically revenge because they were prohibited from doing an invocation a satanic invocation at uh, one of the meetings one of the city council meetings they took it to court they lost and so this is payback against the city of scottsdale uh they 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 basically are saying okay so you stopped us from doing a an invocation at your city council meeting now we're going to come into your city, rent a hotel, a ballroom, and we're going to consecrate your whole city to Satan and do a black mass. So that's that's what we're up against right now. There's going to be a, a, a strong Catholic response, and there has to be, because what they're doing is they're dog whistling. They're seeing if Catholics are going to respond and, and, and how strong is the pushback going to be.
I can tell you uh, that I'm, I'm starting a, a, a peaceful, prayerful protest all three days at the Satanic Conference right outside the doors in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, anybody who lives in the Diocese of Phoenix, especially men, I'd love you to be there and with a rosary in your hand and with, a, with just a heart full of faith. And we need to stand for three days and just pray against these this, this evil satanic conference because they want to do something that they have no authority to do. They want to consecrate the city of Scottsdale to Satan. They can't do that. I'll tell you why, whether they know it or not. It's because when our Lord Jesus Christ, when he died for our sins on Calvary, he, his blood, every square inch on planet Earth belongs to our Lord Jesus Christ. He purchased it with his blood. And so we're going to have priests and, and one of the bishops, the auxiliary bishop, is going to be out there. Good. Uh, and he's gonna, they're going to be praying along with us. And once again, I'll tell you who does over the city and the diocese. The bishops do. So I'm going to have our bishop here do a St. Louis de Montfort uh, Marian consecration over the city of Scottsdale. So, because that's going to counter their 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 consecration, because Lucian Greaves, he's from Detroit, Michigan. That's their headquarters. He has no spiritual authority over Scottsdale, Arizona. Who has spiritual authority over Scottsdale, Arizona? Jesus Christ through the bishops, yeah. and so the bishops—that's their juridical. The the the, the Phoenix bishops. That's their juridical spiritual authority that Christ has entrusted. So a bishop's prayer is, is far, far more powerful. It's going to have the gravitas of heaven versus their satanic incantations. They have no authority to consecrate anything to Satan. So they're going to be doing more what I would call a fake consecration. And we're going to be countering with priests and the bishop doing a St. Louis de Montfort consecration uh, of the city. Uh, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we know from St. Louis de Montfort and from many exorcists across the board in the country, they tell us that whatever you consecrate to Our Lady, it's off limits to Satan. Satan has no power once you consecrate something and entrust something to Our Lady. Uh, so I'm asking Catholic men, specifically in the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona, we're going to meet from 12 to 3 p.m., why those three hours, those three days? We're going to come in there like, like a quick quick assault. I mean, a quick spiritual assault. We're not going to stay there 10, 12 hours and give them all kinds of fanfare and all, all, kinds, of, all kinds of media attention. We're going to go in there like a strike force. 12 noon, we're going to start with the Angelus. We're going to do three hours of prayer that are specifically for spiritual warfare and consecration prayers. Then we're going to end at 3 p.m. with the uh, the Divine Mercy. Why are we going to pray from 12 to 3? Because our prayers are going to be more efficacious. They're going to have more merit because that's the time when our Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross for our sins. So those three hours are going to have, we're going to join our prayers with 2,000 years of, of, of Catholics with the gravitas of the church triumphant with the blood of Jesus flowing down like Niagara Falls into Scottsdale, Arizona. And so that's why we're using that time specifically 
from 12 to 3. Now, if you don't live in Phoenix, Arizona, we got enough we got enough men and women, good good Catholic men and women out here. I'm just alerting you around the country that on those three days, mark it in your calendar. Maybe if you can go to Holy Mass that day or pray a rosary that morning or do a holy hour. But just know this, that there's going to be hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of Catholics in Phoenix that are going to be praying Friday, Saturday and Sunday, February 11th, 12th and 13th in front of the Saguaro Hotel from 12 to 3 p.m. praying and pushing back against the satanic consecration. So Catholics all over the country, mark your calendars, and we would like you to be praying with us from your diocese, from your house, from your church, from your bedroom. Uh, We're asking for all the prayer power out there. That's fantastic. You know, people, I got a reverb on your end. Can you you turn your volume down a little bit, Jesse? Sorry. Okay, let me see. Uh, Turn my volume down a little bit. I'm so glad to hear that the bishops, or is the second computer on, Jesse? Yeah, okay, I turned it off. Got it, yeah. Am I good now? Yeah, you're good now. Check, one, two. Yep. Okay. I'm so glad to hear the bishops involved because I kind of feel, Jesse, you and I have talked about before that we're in a church crisis. There is uh, a disturbance in the church. And so often people look to lay people. You're one of them for guidance, for leadership. And and I think, you know, in times that does happen, but we need to remember that we're not Protestants. We're not evangelicals. We're not Mohammedans. We're Catholics. We believe in the papacy. We believe in the hierarchy. We believe in the bishops. And they have the charism. They have the spiritual gifts. They have the jurisdiction over their diocese. And that's real power. We can We can say things. We can recommend things. But we don't have that spiritual, I think you said gravitas, that sacramental power that is given to the bishops and through them to the priests. So to hear that that, that the bishop will be involved is amazing. It's fantastic. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I've got, uh, I've got prayers that the bishop's going to pray that are going to be very, very powerful, uh, very specific for this event. Uh, he's going to end with uh, a Marian consecration of the city, which he has the authority to do by Christ. And and let me and I'm going to tell you, here's what's going to happen. People are saying, so what is the effect of us Catholics praying out there? It, it's pretty simple. You, you got to think of it this way. First of all, uh, public prayer is more powerful than private prayer. Who says that? St. Louis de Montfort. He says public prayer is far more powerful than private prayer to appease the anger of God and call down his mercy and Holy Mother Church, guided by the Holy Ghost, has always advocated public prayer in times of public tragedy and suffering. Who else talks about the efficacy of of, uh, public prayer? St. John Vianney. He says private prayer is like straw scattered here and there. If you set it on fire, it makes a it makes a lot of little flames. But gather these straws into a bundle and light them, and you get a mighty fire rising the column into the sky. Public prayer is like that, Saint John Vianney. Because the Satanists, what are they going to be doing in there? Well, 
in their website, they've actually said that uh, uh, they they said that uh, they're going to bring Lupercalia into Scottsdale. So I didn't know what Lupercalia was, so I looked it up. Yep. So what does Lupercalia in Scottsdale mean? Lupercalia is a Roman pagan festival held on February 15th in honor of Lupercus, regarded as the god of fertility, in the celebration of which dogs and goats were sacrificed and their skins cut up into thongs with which the pagan priests ran through the city, striking everyone, particularly women. So this is uh, some type of, uh, you know, uh, sexual pagan profanation uh, of the city of Scottsdale. At least that's the theme of the conference. And so as Catholics, I'm asking the Catholics, bring your rosaries, bring your 50 caliber rosaries, bring your sacramentals, bring holy images. And also it's very important you when you attend all you Phoenix Catholics that are going to attend, you must be in a state of grace. You must be in this. Go to confession that week. Let's make sure we're all armored up because when you're in a state of grace, this is going to make their satanic curses powerless because that's what they're going to be doing in there. They're going to be doing satanic curses and hexes and incantations. They're going to be uh, doing uh, a black mass. I have all the priests on board, the four parishes in Scottsdale, Arizona. I've met with the priests and they all know uh, to be on the lookout because these Satanists, days before the event, they may be creeping up into the parishes trying to steal the Holy Eucharist because that's exactly what they do for a black mass. Yep. I'm also asking all the Catholics that are going to attend uh, to start a nine-day novena on, uh, on January 2nd. I mean, February 2nd. That'll be the nine-day novena up until the day of the event. And uh, the nine-day novena, I'm asking you to pray the rosary every single day. I'm asking you to go to confession that week. I'm asking you to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. And I'm asking you to, to pray three times a day for this event, for, for that, that, we, that we're able to sabotage this event. What do I mean by sabotage? As Catholics, we know that our prayers as Catholics are much more powerful than their curses. In fact, <clears throat> Just to just to give an image to the men, uh, the warfare image that I want men to come away with is uh, the Bible describes prayer oftentimes like arrows, arrows. In Psalm 18, verse uh, verse 15, it says, the Lord let fly his arrows and scattered them. He shot his lightning bolts and dispersed them. Psalm 64, verse 8, the Bible says, uh, God shoots an arrow at them. In a moment, they are struck down. Many other passages. So arrows are a reference to the word of God. And, and arrows are also a reference to an airstrike against the enemy. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they would have archers on top of the high walls surrounding the city. And when they would see an enemy approaching the city to attack them, the archers, they would launch volleys of arrows at their enemy. And the arrows would fall upon the enemies like rain. In fact, in Catholic tradition, we actually call short prayers, arrow prayers, these short, simple prayers. So on February 11th, 12th, and 13th, I'm asking all you men, you're going to become archers and women that end up showing up as well, your wives that showed up as well, they're invited. We're going to be archers. We're going to be outside of the conference 
and we're going to be raining the word of God in, towards them, projecting it towards the conference like arrows, like the Bible says. Think about the vision of the movie uh, 300, where you have uh, thousands of Persians, the Persians that they started firing arrows uh, against King Leonidas and his 300 Spartans, and just the way they darkened the sky. That's exactly what we're going to do. We are going to rain uh, heaven upon that conference. And what happens, I, I've talked to Satanists, uh, witches that are now Catholics and that practice it at a very high level. They'll tell you, they'll say, Jess, Catholic prayers, what it does, it blocks, it sabotages our curses and incantations. So our prayers, when you're in a state of grace and a right relationship with God, free from mortal sin, and you're praying with faith, what your prayers do, it sabotages their curses and hexes. It's like it's like a burglar going outside your house and taking uh, the jack, the, the phone jack off, and uh, now he's trying to break in. You're trying to call the police, and you get a dial tone because they sabotage your communication. That's what we're going to do for three days. We're going to scramble their message, sabotage their communication by raining prayer right over that conference center that they receive the grace of conversion, some of them that are apostate Catholics, and also that they that we push back against the darkness. I mean, St. Paul's very clear. You know, uh, we're not supposed to go home and, you know, none of this cut and run stuff. Uh, St. Paul is, is, is very clear in, uh, in, in, the, in the book of Ephesians. He says that we're called to expose the darkness. We're called to expose the darkness. We don't have a choice. Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so why are we doing this? Why? 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. If we are children of God, if we're disciples of Christ, we have to do likewise. We have to destroy the works of the devil with our presence, with our holiness, and with our prayers. Because as Catholic Christians, we have a divine mandate to confront lies and deception with the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you talked Amen. about being in a state of grace because in the early in the church, church, if you read Gregory, read Gregory I'm getting a reverb again. I don't know. I'll just keep going. It's fine. I'm sorry for everyone. Okay, my, my, my main computer's off. I only have my That's laptop. Fine. In the early church, Gregory the Great talks about, yes, priests and bishops drive out devils, but you read over and over again in his dialogues about how lay people, holy people who are, they're always fasting and praying when you read the accounts. They actually do drive out demons. This is not something we see in our time. But in the early church, there was so much sanctity and so much penance and so much fasting and prayer in the early church that lay men and even lay women were casting out demons. We also know in the time of Diocletian and around the year 299, before the Diocletian persecution, the court uh, sorcerers could no longer do their divination in the court. And they the reason is they found out is that there was a servant in the court. And every time they went to do their divination, he made the sign of the cross. And just by making the sign of the cross, he was, just like you were saying, thwarting their magic. The power of Satan and what they were accustomed to do for hundreds of years in the Roman court, they couldn't do it simply because a slave who was baptized, who was holy, was making a sign of the cross and thwarting 
all the most powerful magicians in the Roman court. We must be in a state of grace. We must be holy. We must be fasting. We must be praying. We must be doing penance. This is the message of all the Marian apparitions for the past 500 years. Taylor, and, and there's something else I'll just add to that is uh, St. Catherine of Siena back in the Middle Ages, doctor of the church, the accounts that, that she was so holy that priests in, in Europe at, in, in, in her day and age, when they had some of the most difficult cases of demonic possession, the more difficult cases they would send over to St. Catherine of Siena. Mm -hmm. And guess what? She would deliver them. She would set them free. She wouldn't do an exorcism. She's she's not a priest. Yep. So she wouldn't yeah. put her hand over their head and do the imprecatory prayers of a priest. She does it prayers of supplication, prayers of petition. But because she was so holy, she was able to drive out the diabolical. And so again, our prayers... And that's the this is the James 5:16 principle. Our prayers are only as effective as our holiness. James 5:16 I believe says the prayers of a holy man have much power of a righteous man have much power. And then it goes talk about the way Elijah was able to, you know, shut down the sky for a few days uh or stop the rain because of his holiness. And so as a Catholic, there's also power in our prayers. Because our prayers are very precise as Catholics. Precision is everything in prayer. That's why, it, that's why it's important for Catholics. Uh, again, that's why a Catholic priest, the exorcist in our church, when they pray the rite of exorcism, if you read the rite, it's on the internet, you can read it. Um, don't pray it over anybody. But if you, know, if you want to read it to study it yourself, you'll see the richness of the church's prayers, the precision. So... There's three things when it comes to prayer that are make it very powerful. Number one is confident. The Bible says we're supposed to have confident assurance. Number two, precision in prayer. Matthew 7, 7, ask and you'll receive. We're asking God to, to rain the grace of conversion upon those Satanists and also to stop their diabolical incantations to shut them down. And then number three is your holiness. Again, in the early church, just like you said, uh, it was it was very common for lay people. You have Tertullian, Felis Minucius. In the early church, lay people were driving out demons. Well, what happened? Well, lay people started losing their holiness. And, and lay people started charging money uh, to drive out demons. Lay people started, uh, uh, they started touching female possessed women inappropriately. Uh, and so the church had to regulate the, the right of exorcism or the ministry and regulated it to the priest. It was back in the council. It was in 398 AD. The church says, okay, uh, there's a lot of problems with lay people that are just well-intentioned and that do have this gift, but they're, they're malformed. They're not formed properly in the teachings of the church. And so, they were just kind of out there like uh, uh, you'd call them uh, mercenaries. Right. The, the difference between like a Protestant deliverance ministry, they're mercenaries. They may have some effect because they're praying in the name of Jesus. They they have faith. They do believe, you know, in, in their understanding of Christianity, the gospel. But they're mercenaries. They don't have an army behind them. 
Catholic and they don't have the authority. Priest, yes, a Catholic priest with the authority of the bishop has the juridical authority. So now he bears the gravitas of the church militant, the church suffering, and the church triumphant with him. He's not a mercenary. He's a general. And so that's the difference between a Catholic layperson or a Protestant and a Catholic priest with a mandate or a bishop is that they have the apostolic authority from Christ where the rest of us oftentimes just operate as, as mercenaries. And God sometimes honors our prayer and our faith. But again, uh, there's nothing like the weight of a bishop or a priest with the authority to do so, watching them pray uh, against the diabolical. Let me let me add something here, because I don't I, I don't want Catholics to think, well, it's just the priests. We'll just stay home. It's the priest's job. The priest has the authority. The priest can do the exorcism with the bishop's permission. But what's best is the combo, like you talked about with Saint Teresa of Avila. What you need is dozens, hundreds of Catholic people who are holy who are praying, who are lifting up and protecting that priest as he leads that battle with the authority of the exorcism prayers and the authority of the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't just be like, well, that's the priest's job, let him go do that. It is his job. But like you were saying, he needs millions of arrows of yes. prayers coming in and hitting as he's going into battle. That's exactly that's the, it. That's, that's the ideal, and that's what you're doing. That's where, the, that's where we come in. We're, we're firing thousands of arrows and raining arrows upon this conference of Satanists. And Father Chad Ripperter and other exorcists, they say that when a bishop prays, it's like firing cannons from a Navy ship. It's kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. There is nothing like a bishop's prayers against the diabolical. It's fun. Father Ripperger says, he says, if I do the rite of exorcism over a, of a possessed person, it's powerful because I have the mandate. But if a bishop does it, he says it's much more powerful than my than my prayers act, doing the rite of exorcism. When a bishop, it's because of office, because the the bishop has the full office of the priesthood, where the priests share in the in the in the priesthood through the office of the bishop. The, the bishop has the plenary office of Christ's priesthood. And so, again, when a bishop is praying, it, it's, he's firing cannons from a Navy ship. But the rest of us, we are firing arrows and we're right. We, he needs that cover fire. That's what we provide as Catholics is cover fire. Yeah. You know, one of the things people say is, well, you know, where's the bishop in this diocese? Where's the Catholic teaching is the official exorcist of every diocese is the bishop. Correct. Every diocese on planet Earth came with an official exorcist, and that is the bishop with the mitre on his head. Now, he can delegate that authority for whatever reason he wants, but he is the chief exorcist in his diocese. And the only one who has exorcism power over the whole world is the pope because he has supreme jurisdiction and in every diocese like you were saying at the very beginning of the show the bishop has that jurisdiction within his geographic diocese so if a demon comes into his diocese and is in trouble he has the power to get him out that's the way christ set it up when he set up a catholic church which is universal over the whole planet 
That's how the whole thing works. The sad thing, Jesse, is yeah, a lot of bishops, unlike don't in the early church, power. they're not using their power. They don't recognize it, or they've they've lost their supernatural faith. Yeah, a lot of them. It's like and so. Yeah, it's we, like we, you're an a NFL MVP quarterback, uh, but you just every time you snap the ball, you just take a knee. <laughs> it's like throw the ball in the end zone, run, do something. You have this amazing arm, you know? You're like Joe Montana or Elway or any of the greats, Brady, and they snap the ball and you and you get on a knee. You can't you can't win, you can't fight like that. That's right. Uh you're right, Taylor, and uh again, as Catholics, uh they need us and we need them. Well, I mean, we we have to work in tandem, but uh, again, Lay people had this this uh, this charism in the early church. It's the, the church fathers are very clear about that, and it was it was at the fourth council of Carthage in 398 A.D. that the bishops at that time about 215 bishops, including Saint Augustine, they basically established the office of the exorcist. That was in 398 A.D. in in Canon Seven. It reads. When the exorcist is ordained, he receives from the hand of the bishop a small book in which are written the exorcism prayers. Uh, the bishop says to him, receive and commit to memory and have the power to lay hands upon the energumens, either baptized or catechumen. Uh, that was at the Council of Carthage, 398 AD. Why? Again, because there was a lot of abuses, like you find in Protestant deliverance ministries, right. where the right. pastors are putting their hands on women inappropriately. Sometimes they're having affairs with them. Because the women are weak and emotionally wounded and diabolically uh, infected, or they're charging, they're going from city to city and charging enormous uh, uh, stipends to drive out demons in public. And so this is, the church saw this very early on. So the church relegated this to an office, to the office of a priest mandated by the bishop. Now, that doesn't mean that Catholics can do deliverance prayers. We can, and we should be doing deliverance prayers. In fact, I recommend that every Catholic listening to this podcast, they should incorporate in your prayer life the Auxilium Christianorum prayers. Make that, I do that, those are my final prayers for the last seven, eight years before I go to bed at night, me and my wife. Those are our final prayers, auxiliumchristianorum.org. They were written by Father Ripperger and his team of, of, of priests at the DeLorean Fathers. There, There's those an are, app. Yeah, you could, I got them on my phone. Yeah. yeah. There's an app and there's a book. I'm trying to find the book, but I don't see the book. I think it's down by my bed. Yeah. And so uh, so as Catholics, there's a lot of prayers that we can play as Catholics to, to protect ourselves from the diabolical. Again, uh, the St. Michael the Archangel prayer is, is a deliverance prayer. Uh, Father Ripper has got a book. It's called Deliverance Prayers for the Lady. There's a whole slew of prayers there that you can find on the uh, in his book that are appropriate for lay people. Here's the difference, just so people could understand. This is the way you don't get in, in, in you don't fall into trouble and you don't get in you don't put yourself in danger. A bishop can always pray, I, I, that's called imprecatory, I from above. I command you, I drive you out. Why? He stands in the person of Christ. He's he's the exorcist of the diocese. The priest. They can also do that, the eye, they can bless, they can do minor exorcisms over their parishioners, 
They have total authority over every baptized person in their parish. That's their family. And they can pray minor exorcism prayers over and bless and this over anybody in the parish. Now, Catholic men, we even have authority within our house or domestic church. Within your domestic church, you can bless every person in your house, every article in your house, and every square inch of property in your house. And you can pray it, I bless this house in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's your house. You're the priest of the home. You're the St. Joseph of the home. And your wife now, and kids. Yes, and your wife and kids. You can pray, I, I, I. You're the priest of the house. I. Now, deprecatory prayers are something different. When you, let's say your brother-in-law comes over, your brother-in-law is a heroin addict. And your brother-in-law says, you know, he knows you go to mass and you live in a state of grace and you're a good Catholic. He goes, hey, Jess, can you pray for me, man? I've been slamming heroin for 10 years. I want to stop. I want to come back to church. I, I mean, I, can you just say a prayer for me? Well, again, you're going to, you want to bring them back to the sacraments, back to, back to Christ into a state of grace, but you can offer a little prayer for him, but you can't do you, you, you can't say, come on over here, brother-in-law, get, get on your knees in front of me. I'm going to put my right hand over your head and start saying, I, I, I drive out the demon of heroin over you. You can't do that. You're not a priest. You have no authority over him. You have no juridical authority over another lay Catholic. So how would you pray for a Catholic in that instance? That's probably diabolically afflicted. Number one, you don't put your hands on him because if he's diabolically afflicted, exorcists talk about what's called demonic transference. Whatever spiritual garbage he has, you can get it by putting your hands in him. Keep your hands to yourself. Okay. And I, we should just clarify here because I've talked to Father Ripper about this. That doesn't mean if you're in the train station, someone bumping into you is going to put demons on you. What's happening here is you're putting your hands on in a spiritual way, in a spiritual context, within a spirit, a spiritual affiliation. That's when you can get the context. I don't want people thinking. Oh, that Satanist bumped into me uh, at Target, and now I'm possessed. No, you're, you're because you're trying to act in a spiritual capacity, so you open yourself to the diabolical by putting your hands on people that are diabolically afflicted when you have no authority over them. So you you here's a deprecatory prayer I pray all day long for people. People come up to me all the time. Just I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a gang member. I want to stop. Come back to church. Can you pray for me? Simple. Here's what I do. It's a simple. I'll take my crucifix off. I'll have one right here. I always have a St. Benedict's. I'll take it off. I'll give it to the person. And I'll say, hold this. Why do I give them a sacramental? Because it's blessed. My hands are not blessed. Right. Okay. I used to box for many years and take people to jail. My hands aren't blessed. Okay. I can't confect the Eucharist. So I get a take a sacramental or my bronze scapular or my miraculous medal. And I'll give it to the person. Then I'll say, okay, uh, my cousin Her Henry the heroin addict, look at the crucifix. And I want you just to gaze on Jesus. And I want you just to start talking to him and ask Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Lord Jesus Christ, set me free from this heroin. Lord Jesus, I love you. Have mercy on me. Then what I will do, I'll put my hands together, Our Lady of Guadalupe style, okay? And then I'll pray a deprecatory prayer. I'll take the anima Christi and I'll, I'll, I'll just put his name. I'll say, name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'll say, soul of Christ, sanctify Henry. Body of Christ, 
save Henry. Blood of Christ, inebriate Henry. Water from the side of Christ, wash Henry. Passion of Christ, strengthen Henry. All the while, he's looking. He has a holy object in his hands. He's looking at my crucifix. And, and he's praying himself. He's saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I trust in you. That's the way you pray for somebody. That I took the Anima Christi, a beautiful post-communion prayer, and I just inserted his name in there, Henry the heroin addict, my cousin. And I prayed for him. It's a deprecatory. And I'm asking Jesus to do everything. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm not saying like the Protestant Pentecostal, come over here, Henry the heroin addict. I'm your cousin. Let me get on your knees right now. Put my hand over you. Said I. Uh, I rebuke this evil, this uh, satanic uh, evil spirit of heroin from my cousin. Leave, be gone. You do that, you're gonna you're gonna present problems for yourself because demons know you have no authority over another lay Catholic. Okay, unless you're their father, you can pray like that if you're the father of your children or over your wife. Outside of that. You have to pray deprecatory prayers, which means you have to ask our Lord, our lady, the saints, the angels to go in there and do the heavy lifting, do the healing and do the deliverance. And you just step back. So that's that's a safe way to do it, Taylor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, mean, I mean, you and I have both. Read and studied under and spoken with Father Ripperger and asked all these questions. And I mean, that's just textbook down the line. You don't want to, you know, when you go into battle to fight, you can get hurt. You got to know the rules of engagement with these demons. And if you presume, which is a form of pride, which is what Satan and all the demons fell from. If you come into that with pride, guess what? You have a big open wound in your chest for them to start tormenting you so just you just cannot ever presume and be prideful when you come in even if you do have these maybe you do have these gifts very rare but some people do have these powerful gifts yeah like saint catherine of siena exactly yeah i'm not presuming that i have it for sure <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i just taylor i just i tell people that i practice smash mouth catholicism hey I have no I have no gifts. I have no charismatic gifts. I just practice smash mouth Catholicism. What is that? <laughs> smash mouth it, it's it's a it's a football term when the coach says, you know, Vince Lombardi, hit him hard, hit him fast, hit him repeatedly, be ruthless and be and, and just be barbaric. I just practice smash mouth Catholicism. I just pray with faith. I project my prayers into the cosmos like arrows and uh and let the lord do the rest uh like uh andy garcia said in the movie he said in the movie uh for greater glory towards the end he tells his cristeros he says he says men may fire bullets but god decides where they land mm -hmm. and same with us we're just called to practice smash mouth catholicism pray okay Three times a day, as the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. Okay. Now, prayer is not only an offensive weapon. Obviously, this, the doctors of the church tell us that the goal of prayer is union with God. St. Teresa, the, the little flower, St. Teresa of Avila. The, 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 the goal of prayer is communion with God. All I'm saying is, is that it does have an offensive nature to it according to the scriptures. 
It's described as a, the sword of the spirit that comes out. Jeremiah says the word of God is like a rock that smashes. Uh, uh, the word of God is a double-edged sword. The word of God is like arrows. So anytime the Bible talks about prayer, it, it talks about it using Old Testament and New Testament offensive weapons. I would imagine if the apostles were writing right now, they would say something like uh, uh, prayers like an AR-15 or prayers like, a, you know, like a grenade. But of course, they're using the weapons of their time uh, to try to make a point. So they say the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The word of God is a rock that smashes. Uh, the word of God are, are like arrows that fire into the air and, 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 take, and take out the enemy. Again, prayer has an offensive nature to it, and uh, we can't forget that. Well, we should. I know you got to go. You have another show at the next hour. But um, let's go over the dates so that everybody's on board, what to do and when to do it. Yes. So the Satanists are going to have a conference at Scottsdale, Arizona, Saguaro Hotel, February 11th, 12th, and 13th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to be, obviously, on the sidewalk around the hotel, uh, Catholics, men and women, but I, I want to see mostly men there from the Phoenix Diocese, and I'm in contact with hundreds of them right now. Bring your, uh, bring your uh, rosaries. And bring your Bible, too, because we're going to also be praying some psalms, Psalm 91, some other uh, deliverance, uh, uh, some, some imprecatory psalms. We're going to be praying them as well right after every rosary that we pray. Um, I'm going to be – my website has the, the flyer, jesseromero.com, jesseromero.com. I have the parking. There's four places for us to park there. We can't bring any amplification device, according to Scottsdale Police Department. We can bring bullhorns but not no speakers or microphones. Uh, we're going to have uh, one of the bishops here and priests there as well that are going to, uh, they've told me they're going to come with the blessed sacrament and they're going to be again uh, doing their prayers as well, which I call, you know, firing cannons from a Navy ship. Uh, we're going to be praying from 12 noon to 3 PM. That's the time that Jesus Christ was redeeming the world. Our prayers are going to, have the power of the blood of Jesus is flowing downstream. Uh, be in a state of grace and and make sure that uh, that uh, you prepare for nine days, nine, nine days of, of, of uh, prayer and fasting and the rosary prior to this event. I'm going to have uh, sheets of paper out there for all the prayers that we're going to be doing. So all Xerox, hundreds and hundreds of copies so that people can follow along. So we're praying orderly and we're all praying the same prayers, and they're all going to be surgical prayers that I know that demons, uh, they can't stand. First of all, we're going to be praying, uh, you know, the uh, the mysteries of the rosary. Then with the with, with the litanies after, litanies of Loretto, litanies of St. Joseph, litanies of the precious blood, litanies of the sacred heart of Jesus, uh, the Psalms that we know that are very powerful against the diabolical, Psalm 91, Psalm 35, Psalm 37, Psalm 71. We'll also be... Uh, Praying for ourselves, prayers of of uh, entrusting ourselves to Our Lady, uh, Saint Louis de Mont for consecrations, praying against evil for ourselves, prayer to protect our faculties from Father Ripperger's book, and at the very end we'll also pray before we leave uh, the prayer against retaliation from evil spirits from Father Ripperger's book. So uh, it's going to be a time we want the Phoenix Diocese. We want to show the whole country because they're not going to stop here, Taylor. 
This is no. one of many conferences. They want to see how Catholics react. And so they, they have to see a strong Catholic response where they're going to say, you know what? We're not going to try this anymore. We're going to do this. We're going to do this covertly or secretively. We want to make sure that there's such a pushback. We're going to scramble their communications with our peaceful prayers that they're going to, they're not going to be able to, to do any of their curses or incantations or hexes because we're going to basically short circuit all their communication. That's exactly what we're going to do. Please be there. Go to my website, jesseromero.com, and you can uh, print out the flyer uh, on the front page of my website for this prayerful, peaceful protest here in the Diocese of Phoenix, February 11th, 12th, and 13th, Scottsdale, Arizona. Excellent. I got the website on the screen. Everybody go check it out. And I'm going to remind everybody as we get close to those dates of what's going on here. And then, Brent, um, and then thank maybe you. when once it happens, Jesse can come back tell us what happened. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure people would love to hear about that. So um, everybody, subscribe here and also subscribe over at Jesse's channel. Your channel is Jesse. It's a uh, Virgin Most Powerful VMPR.org. VMPR.org. There you go, and JesseRomero.com. And then, of course, we want to end with the message that I know Jesse Romero is 100% behind, and that is pray your rosary every single day look the devil's after us 24 7 if you're not praying your rosary every day it's just like you're laying down your gun you know you're just you have your weapon pray your rosary every day we have to pray every single day and the rosary is just like training wheels it just keeps us up it keeps us moving even when you don't know how to pray you don't know what to pray you've got the beads you rattle the beads you pray the beads. So pray your rosary every single day. Thanks for watching today. Please like the video if you like it. I imagine YouTube's not going to promote this video. <laughs> uh, so please like it and please share it on Facebook and Twitter. Go check out Jesse's website. If you're new, please subscribe and click the bell. And anything else you want to add, Jesse, before we sign off? Uh, the last thing I want to say is, uh, is that St. Louis de Montfort says, hell trembles at the sound of every fervently prayed Hail Mary. Powerful. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, Jesse. And remember, thank you, our, our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, partner. God bless you, too.